0: Representative Sam Park, thank you so much for joining us here at the Ajuma Show. Um, You're our first interview ever.
1: Can you believe? Yes, I can. But uh, (laughs) but thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank
0: you. Thank you you so much for being here. What what do you mean by uh, you can believe? You're the first one. Do you feel like we're, we're not, we wouldn't really get great interviews?
1: No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course not.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, this is our show. We've been doing this show 143-ish episodes. Oh. And people have asked to come onto the show. Hmm. And we just don't know how to do it because Angie <laughs> and I just talk to each other. A lot of times this isn't even a show. you know like we don't have much of most of the times we don't even know what we're going to be talking about we just like flow from something that makes us angry into a piece of advice and then we'll talk about something korean and we'll wrap it up a lot of reviews of our podcast say i'm not really sure sure how to like explain your podcast to anyone (laughs) <laughs> but um, thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy. Yeah,
1: I, I, you make me feel even more special for being your first. So, so wow, thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited.
0: Well, Sam, you know, it, it, in the past, what, four years we've been doing this show, we talk a lot about politics. Uh, obviously, it's fr- front and center. We started this show February of 2017, right when, um, you know, it all happened. And uh, we <laughs> we've been screaming into the microphone because we've we realized that there's so much that it hasn't been talked about, especially, um, you know, racially and in the Korean American community. We just don't talk. We're not talkers. We don't we don't really have a great um, vocabulary with our family about politics, about anything related to race. Or, or even money, you know. Like uh, most Koreans are just taught, hey, just keep your head down and make money, and you'll be fine, and don't bother anyone. So, and and throughout the last four years, uh, Unji and I have been talking about Korean politicians, people getting involved uh, on the local level, on the state level, and obviously, you know, hopefully in the national level. And um, the fact that you are a Korean American, you're openly gay and your politician for a conservative southern state uh, we had to talk to you so, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we're very excited yeah so we yeah. have a list of questions for you mm-hmm. um, you can pass any time mm-hmm. but it will count against your score <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds good I'll, I'll try and get my a plus <laughs> all
0: right so um sam park first of all what the hell is your job so
1: I'm a state representative, um, yeah. and in Georgia, we have a part-time legislature where we will meet for 40 non-consecutive days um, in the, at the state capitol in downtown Atlanta, and essentially pass all the laws um, that affect 10 million people that, that, uh, for, for those who call Georgia home. Um, and of oh, course, that oh, impacts oh. everything from health to education uh, to roads and bridges and, and you know, the whole nine yards. Wow.
0: And um, I did do some research on you. And by research, I mean I skimmed through your Wikipedia. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it says you are part of the 101st HD? Yes. Yeah. Now, what does HD stand for? HD
1: stands for House District.
0: House District. Okay, so yeah. you're part of the 101st. Now, is that House District um, – what's the demographics of that House District? Yeah. Is, it, is it a lot of Koreans, or, or did you grow – is this where you grew up?
1: So so it's it's funny, because oftentimes when I uh, meet people for the first time, they're like, how is it that Georgia elected an openly gay Korean American millennial uh, yeah, yeah. To, to their legislature? Um, and the reality is that I'm actually quite representative of the district I represent. It's majority minority. The median age is 36 years old. Mm. and And it just, in my mind, represents a lot of the generational change, the demographic changes that are occurring through the state. Uh, so, my district is located in the heart of Gwinnett County, the most diverse county in the southeastern United States. By um, population it's the second largest in the state of Georgia, and so really it's the epicenter of a lot of change that, that we're currently seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up uh, in and around the Gwinnett area. It's where um, the, about 50% of the Korean community in Georgia lives. There's about 100,000 Korean Americans in Georgia. There's a lot. A hundred thousand? Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's third has the third largest Korean American population in the country after L.A. and New York. Um, but my district, you know, it, it doesn't. It's it's not. Um, it's kind of ten next to, not directly in the the Korean um, um, district itself. But yeah, it, again, it, it's the diversity. It's the youth in which um, you know that gave me an opportunity to serve. That's amazing.
0: Um, And the fact that you went out in 2016, uh, and this was a pretty grassroots campaign, I'm assuming, right? Like a young Korean guy from Georgia. Even though you say there's 100,000 Koreans, that's really not much if you think (laughs) about it uh, as far as like absolute value of population. Uh, And that's just stunning for me. So like, tell me a little bit about um, how you decided to get into civil service and also, if this wasn't the original plan, what was the original plan?
1: So I had no intention of entering into politics um, when I was in law school. And I originally went to law school because I thought that was the fastest way to financial stability, which I think is something that every, <laughs> yeah, which I think is every, you know, what, what every immigrant seeks in, in one form or another, especially when they first come to this country. But, you know, through, you know, I I took a health legislative legislation and advocacy course during my second year, which opened the door to the Georgia State Capitol. I had an opportunity to intern for Stacey Abrams um, and really fell in love with the legislative process. Um, You know, public policy is really, you know, trying to solve, you know, all the politics aside, the policy component, you know, you're trying to solve very complex systemic challenges. And with equally um, complex solutions, that would be up to the task to make progress on the issue or to remedy the problem altogether. Um, all of that said, you know, I ended up running for office um, after my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer in uh, 2014. Um, you know, that whole experience taught me how important access to healthcare is. Um, at the same time, Republicans in our state they blocked Medicaid expansion, leaving more than half a million Georgians without access to healthcare, and so. Her battle uh, inspired me to run for office and to fight for, for uninsured ger- Georgians, uh, which is a battle that I still fight today.
0: Very cool. Um, so you didn't originally think about going into politics. You were like, hey, let me be a lawyer. Let me make some money. Let me get my parents to back off. Uh, <laughs> I did a very similar thing where my, my mom, my grandma was like, hey, you have the gift of gab. Yeah. You have a mouth that won't stop running. So why don't you uh, like use that and become a booksa, mm. a, a, a pastor. <laughs> and I, all, my whole family was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be good. That's good. That's yeah. respectful. You know, yeah, pastors yeah. in our church drive a Mercedes Benz. It's going to be great. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then my mom was like, no, pastors don't make money. Use that <laughs> mouth to become a lawyer. Because mm. lawyers make money. Mm. So I had a very similar like introduction into like, Oh, maybe I'll go to law school. Yeah. And then like halfway through high school, I was like, nah, I don't have, I don't have it. I don't have the discipline. I just don't care about school enough. Like, mm. I just want to like be creative. I wanted to be um, a chef mm. and um, my mom went completely bonkers. And she was like, you're going to go to college. You're gonna, I'm going to come here <laughs> for you to become a chef. Um, and, um, and then, And then I went into tech for a long time and then pivoted, and became a comedian. And here we are now, you and I, two very respected gay Koreans in America. Um, (laughs) But good for you. So your mom, uh, uh, she she had this terminal cancer. Um, Is she still with us now?
1: Uh, She passed away in 2018. I'm so sorry. 2018? Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, gotcha. So that's pretty recent. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, Thank you. in 2018, I saw that you, um, you ran again mm-hmm. and you won, uh, with 50 something percent of the votes. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. <sighs> Thank you. Again. So Georgia state rep, you have to run every two years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So
0: it's, it, is another one coming up?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, I have an election, uh, I'll be on the ballot, uh, on November oh. 3rd, everyone else. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Very cool. That's yeah. awesome. How do you how are you feeling about this year's election for you versus the past two?
1: So, you know, my my first election in 2016, um, you know, no one thought I really had a shot at winning. Um, you know, I popped out of nowhere, um, openly gay, young gay Korean running against a you know three term Republican chairwoman uh, who lived in the district for 30 years, was very well respected. And so, Um, I I shocked a lot of folks. I think I was one of two Democrats I had won in the state um, against all odds. Um, You know, thankfully, there were a few who did believe in me and and saw the hard work that I was doing, Um, one of those being Stacey Abrams, and and she was really supportive and critical toward the end. Um, In 2018, um, you know, it was very much the same approach, though, of course, being an incumbent, I had a a bit of an advantage, Um, was able to raise more money, was able to build a bigger team, and and really harnessed a lot of the, the acceleration and the changes the demographic changes that i had first identified um and and so won by you know nearly 20 points um you know going into my third re-election this november um, i feel very i feel like i'm in a very strong position right now um that said you know i still have to raise dollars i do have a general election opponent a republican woman who's running against me um, I feel confident I'll have another opportunity to serve, but you know, right now, you know, once I kind of make sure that I have a reelection strategy and campaign in place, you know, it's to do everything I can to turn out Asian Americans statewide, young people, and to help build a new majority in the state house. So it's, it's still very busy. Yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's, I, I almost said fucking awesome. And I, and I took it back cause I was like, I'm with a politician, but Ah, uh, you're fine. You're, I'm fine, right? That's okay. I can say fuck. Yeah, you,
1: you, you can say whatever you want.
0: <laughs> that's fucking cool, Sam. That, I, I, th- that's something that I never talk to another Korean person about is their re-election strategy. What a cool thing that you're doing. And for, you know, I'm in entertainment, and I always talk about this to, like, producers or people. I'm talking to studios, networks, that how important representation is because, you know, when you and I were growing up, You you look a a bit younger than I am. Uh I'm pushing forty. Uh but I can play twenty-eight and I talk to Yeah. (laughs) We have the secret. You're 34. I do. Yeah. Okay, so you're um how old am I? 38. You're four years younger than me. 1986 you were born? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Okay, so not that not even that far. So You look very young and I'm sure that you hear that outside when you meet, meet people, people are like, Oh my God, you're a baby. And and I think that does help. But, um, going back to the representation thing, like when, when we were growing up, we didn't see a Asians in entertainment, much less Asians in politics. Right? So, especially when you're, when you're a young, you know, impressionable kid, even though I loved comedy, I wanted to act, you know, I watched Korean dramas growing up and 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 always thought, like, oh, I, maybe I could be one of these guys one day if I moved to Korea. But I never even bridged the gap of, like, I can do it right here in the home of Hollywood. I live in America, you know. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you um, decided to go into politics and stay in politics as a Korean American is so fucking cool because... Now kids are going to be able to look up and say, oh, there's a leader that looks like me. I couldn't enact change. I thought government was for white people. And I still kind of think that, you know, like, of course, it's. I know it's not. And uh, there's plenty of Asian Americans involved in government in all levels. But the amount the media shows a face like yours, that's powerful because the exposure makes us it allows us to dream that, you know, as opposed to just think of it as something that only people that look like my friend Keith do, you know what I mean? Like we sure. have, you just being there is, is revolutionary in itself. So kudos to you. That's really awesome. Thank you. Um, and I hope you win. And, you. and I, I didn't, I, I don't even know really your platform, but I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't really care. And I know that's not a good way to look at politics. Like, ah, he looks like me. Great. But like, I, I don't really give a fuck because, like, I already know you're going to like knowing your story, how, how to get in, how you got into politics and knowing that you're part of the Democratic Party and you're fighting against, you know, uh, this GOP that really feels to me uh, and not being from Georgia and growing up in New York and now living in California. I'm sure Georgia is a very different view uh, uh, of what's going on. But in your words, what do you think is going on with the grand old party?
1: I think the grand old party has been completely taken over by Trumpism and Trump. And through that, we're seeing the rise of a white nationalist fascism, which is incredibly, incredibly dangerous and very terrifying. Um, I think, um, especially after watching Trump speak last night, it reinforced all those ideas in which, you know, don't, don't believe reality, don't believe what you see or hear, just listen to me. Follow me. Um, And we are seeing that we we've seen essentially the complete takeover of the Republican Party, in which you know I think I don't know if you saw or not there was a poll that came out saying fifty seven percent of Republicans believe that you know one hundred and seventy thousand dead Americans is an acceptable number, right I think I saw another poll saying um around seventy percent of Republicans think that the economy is better today than it was four years ago um th- despite the fact that we are seeing you know twenty million unemployed Americans. Um, and an unemployment rate that's, that's comparable to the Great Depression. Um, And so I I think these are very, very dangerous uh, times in which we're living in. And we need to understand um, and and act accordingly um, to make sure that we don't continue further down this path that we've already taken. Yeah.
0: Um, It it feels like the GOP of my youth, which my mom heavily was a fan of she i I don't know if your family had this like coming from korea like my my whole family were reagan heads Mm -hmm. they loved ronald reagan they loved that he was a movie star he was the (laughs) handsome guy he opened up immigration you know he did a lot of good for koreans and then that really a lot of new york city koreans i knew Mm-hmm. they didn't really vote or were involved in politics, but if they had to, they would have voted GOP. Mm-hmm. And that happens, that tends to happen a lot to immigrant communities where um, because it's so hard for them to get, to get what we were talking about, stability, a sense of security that we we're living in this sense of fear a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and because of this fear, we're, you know, people who are in power, tend to redirect that fear against each other you know Mm -hmm. and and that's something that i really want to express i mean people who listen to this podcast are we're preaching to the choir you know what i mean Mm -hmm. our we have a niche audience of femme forward energy whether it's biologically or whatever right yes (laughs) um over educated uh and uh with expendable income you know what I mean? So we have a very specific group and they tend to be very progressive because they're listening to two angry queer Koreans. <laughs> yeah, like why else would you be listening to this? <laughs> so I, I understand when we talk to our, our audience, yeah. we are kind of preaching to the choir, but something that, especially with George Floyd and um, BLM and the, the, the issue with Breonna Taylor still, yeah. we, there has, there, this was the first time I was able to bridge, um, a conversation between myself and my like woke ass queer ass Korean people and mm-hmm. our parents and our families, mm-hmm. and to talk about black lives, talk about, um, uh, anti-blackness and, and a concerted effort towards anti-racism. And this was the first time I ever had that conversation with my parents or with my family, because, Before this, it just was annoying, you know, to talk to them, even, you know, trying to translate something through English uh, into Korean. Um, So my question to you is, how do we reach Korean Americans um, that are just not interested, that don't feel like they're involved or the the election's never really for them? Oh, it's it's only rich white people who who fight it out. My vote doesn't count, which Mm -hmm. we all know is not true. Mm -hmm. But how do you go about um kind of fixing that
1: yeah so so for me you know i I think especially in light of the rise of fascism we're seeing embodied by trump enabled by the republican party um you know one of the cases that i've been trying to make as often and as loudly as i can is that we are in the fight for our democracy Mm -hmm. right and when we're talking about our democracy you know korea south korea has one of the strongest models of that in in the Asia Pacific region, Um, and and so I I know that they understand that, especially freedom from Japanese um, colonialism. Um, That said, you know, when we're talking about our democracy, it's not necessarily a matter of one candidate or one race. It's about empowering the people. It's about empowering your community to one, protect yourselves, and then two, to determine the direction in which you want to go. And so, when, especially when I'm talking to older first-generation Korean American, Hejung Nymder, and other, um, you know, um, you know, community uh, business leaders, um, that that's kind of the the um, piece of knowledge I try to impart to them, which is you have to get involved if you want to maintain the freedom in which you have. Um, But more importantly, I think, especially as we're seeing the rise in discrimination and hate crimes against Asian Americans caused by Trump and Republicans using racist rhetoric, um, you know, we have to protect our families, we have to protect our communities because that's also at risk here. And if, if, you, if you don't get involved, you know, you're a, that's implied consent to allow Republicans and Trump to continue to uh, castigate and, and instigate and try and pit one community against the other. Um, that said, I think you know especially for woke Koreans and for for progressives, like we need to be very intentional uh, over the next 60, 65 days or so uh, to bring more people into the political process, right We need to expand the electorate, turn out the vote, um, engage young people, the next generation in particular. Um, I think you know you had referenced this earlier, uh, but you know. Uh, the first generation, like they, they, especially you know, first generation immigrants, for the most part, they come here to help build that economic uh, stability and foundation for us. Um, the the challenge I think uh, we have um, as um, you know, I don't know what you call it, second generation or or first generation born here, um, but we have to pioneer our own paths, right? We we feel that conflict, that tension between you know the culture of our motherland. And the, and the very individualistic culture, Western culture. And when all is mm-hmm. said and done, again, we have to figure out the best way in which we can live our best lives. But in the same way, I think we have to be very intentional in ensuring that those who are coming after us, the next generation, that they are involved, right? Even if we can't necessarily convince our parents' generation to do so. Um, one of the hopes that I have uh, between now and now in November is if young people, if the millennial generation if Gen Z, 18 year olds, if they vote at comparable, comparable levels as baby boomers and older generations, you will see a tidal wave of change um, come this November.
0: Very cool. I think, th- I, I completely agree with you. I think turning out the youth vote is gonna be, is gonna be essential for us. Um, looking at the numbers, especially the Asian voter turnout last time in 2016, it was abysmal you're at something like a little above 50% nationally that Mm -hmm. the Asian American vote came out. And it's, that's unacceptable. Uh, and I think this year, especially with the four years of Trump, a lot of people have opened their eyes. Even people like my family who just like wanted to make money and they don't care. They're like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't affect us, but that, that's exactly what we need to dispel is that it doesn't affect you. It affects Mm -hmm. all of us. Uh, and, and the more we are, um, participating in, in, in our elections and in our democracy is how the democracy stays alive. And I think right. a lot of, I think back into the eighties a lot of the Koreans I grew up in New York city, uh, just kind of only worried about making the, the golden six figure, mm. you know, getting out of debt mm. and, and buying that house in the suburbs and being left alone. This idea really starts to decay democracy because you clearly are here um uh, not to participate in it and and to always undercut or subvert it right and and that's how i grew up in uh, in in new york although i always to say that my dad's side of koreans are like the rednecks of koreans you know like (laughs) they did (laughs) they did everything they can to not like fold into the fabric of society they were always trying to like stay above or under the law and um and that is a very immigrant thing, you know, and, and, and because we don't think this government or this country is made for us. So we create a, a, a tertiary system or like a black market of sorts or whatever. Uh, it, it rem- did your parents or family ever do like, um, get do people no. in Georgia
1: do that? They, they do, do they? they do. But like, I, that was something new I learned. Cause like my, you know, so, so my, uh, my mom's side, um, you know, we come from North Korea. Right? Oh, my like, dad's side. Yeah, so, so yeah. maybe that's what it is, but it's just like you don't talk about anything like that, right? You just keep to yourself. You isolate, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um but but you know, w- w- one thing I would say is like I think, you know, one thing I've recognized about the Korean community um, is that we're very independent minded, mm-hmm. right? Like one you'll find Koreans around the world doing all engaged in all sorts of business, living everywhere. Um but again, you know, we're not we're not the, 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 despite the fact that we come from a very like neo Confucianism, um, uh, collectivistic uh, society, we're very independent minded, um, especially when it comes to politics and other issues. Um, but, but, yeah. Uh,
0: that, 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 that exact thing is something that I've been talking about the last three months of this podcast is this idea of this kind of like stretching apart and splitting apart of identities for a Korean American uh, with that Neo-Confucianism background and this highly capitalistic, individual freedom obsessed, money, money, money Americanism that our parents really bought into because they were like, whatever was happening in Korea wasn't working for us. So we're gonna have to come here and dig out our own, you know, um, our own future for the family. And I think about that a lot, and how the two-party system has really, really ruined democracy. If you really break it down, um, we don't—it's—it's an illusion of choice the way we elect people because we only put up one person per party, and and a lot of times those two people, uh, whatever party they are, it seems like they're just kind of doing the same thing but for a different constituency. What? How do you see the future of the Democratic Party? Evolving, if you think it should evolve, uh, slash, do you think there is a better way to go about election?
1: So, uh, all great questions. Um, you know, b- you know, being on the DNC uh, national stage a week or two ago, um, and congratulations, that, by the way. Thank you. That thank was you, the thank coolest you. thing
0: ever. So, uh, not to cut you off, but I heard that you were the first Asian American. To be no. first gay Asian, Gaysian American?
1: First Asian, sure, yeah.
0: To speak <laughs> on a national level at the DNC? Yeah, yeah. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> How cool, that is the coolest thing ever, Sam. How do you feel Thank about you. that? Thank
1: uh, So, you know, when I first got the call, I thought it was a prank call. I was like, <laughs> who is this? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> who called you, who called you? Um, I think it was someone from the DNC. Was it Joe um, Biden? no it wasn't Joe Biden (laughs) but I, I straight up thought it was a prank call and thankfully didn't say some of the words that had come to mind yeah um but no I mean I thought it was um you know a very like humbling um recognition of of kind of the work that that I was doing in Georgia and the kind of leader that I want to be which is you know more of a servant leader in which like one, I'm not doing, I'm not involved in this work because I'm trying to attain a title or a position, but because I actually care about the issues that I'm working on. Um, and then of course, trying to help lift the next generation of leaders up to the best of my ability as well. Um, so so that that was really cool. Um, I, I think um, Senator, uh, US Senator Daniel Inouye from Hawaii is the first Asian American to ever address a DNC convention. Um, and And I know that I'm one of three, of the first openly lgbtq folks to ever give a keynote address which again is a a huge honor and just i think part of the legacy of a lot of lgbtq leaders breaking barriers and helping to pave the way for the next generation of leaders all of that to say i thought that was it was a real i thought they did that very well and that the, the the hopes of the democratic party are not Depend on one individual or one leader, yeah. but that it demonstrates that it's a matter of all of us being in this together. Um, I don't know if that comes across cheesy or at all, but I think it's it's a renewal of our democratic principles of power being from we the people, um, and and especially as America is changing, you know, we are we we represent the diversity of this country, um, and we represent you know, the future, um, being that we are diverse, Um, that's circular, but um, at the same time, I think it was important to demonstrate that there was unity in the midst of that diversity, um, unity in American values and American principles, and of course, our desire, our our unified effort to get Biden elected and to get rid of Trump um, this November.
0: Awesome. Um, Um, Yeah. The second part of your question. Yes, yes.
1: in terms of what reforms we need in order to strengthen our democracy. I think, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of cracks in the system uh, at, at a foundational level in which there needs to be systemic reform, um, you know, to, to continue to protect the, the representative uh, de- democratic system, our Republic. Um, that said, you know, ranked choice voting, I think is a great way of better reflecting uh, the will of the people. Uh, taking money out of politics, I think is absolutely critical. Um, and then um, uh, getting rid of partisan primaries um, and, and independent redistricting reform. I think those are all important reforms that I think would, do, would go a very, very long way of, of ensuring that the democratic system that we've inherited can, can be passed on to the next generation and, and improved upon. Awesome.
0: That, very good. Um, two more questions for you. I know you're very busy and I just want to thank you for being here. Although my yeah. co host Unji did not show up, um, <laughs> we're going to have to drag her for that. She is a mother of a small child and she has a lot going on, but this yeah. is embarrassing for both of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Unji. Yeah. All right, so Sam, you are openly gay, you are openly Korean. Where are the gay Koreans? San Francisco.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. You know, I, I went to San Francisco like a year, to go, a year or two ago, like to the Castro. And like, I thought I died and went to like gay Asian heaven because wow. I had never seen so many Asians in my life, especially coming, uh, being born and raised in Georgia and living here for most of my life. So.
0: Wow. That's got to be so tough. I was born and raised in New York City mm-hmm. and I didn't come out till I moved to San Francisco in 2005. Like I had this idea of like going to the Mecca of all things Gaysian and Mm -hmm. I'll be safe to come Mm -hmm. out. I'll be away from all my family, people I know, all my high school friends that I had to pretend to be straight with, you know, like and and even after being in San Francisco, close to the Castro, being inundated by everything gay and Asian, it took me a long time to come out. So for you, being born, born and raised in Georgia, and uh, now working as a professional in Georgia. What was it like you coming out as a Korean person in the South?
1: It was very hard. Um, you know, when, when I was like 12, 13 years old, you know, that's when I saw on the news Matthew Shepard uh, being, you know, brutally tortured and murdered. Mm-hmm. And, and so growing up, I was always very scared, especially as I was coming to my own and learning about my own sexual identity and orientation. I was terrified of someone finding out that I was gay. Um, when I, and, and of course I grew up in a very conservative Korean culture, but also a religious household. I grew up a Southern Baptist, believe it or not. Um, I, I tell folks I had the triple whammy and I still turned out gay. So it says something about the power of the gay. Um, but, um, you know, when I was around, uh, 18 years old, um, you know, for me, it was, I, I, I knew that I was gay and I had a choice of, you know, Am I going to accept my truth, or am I going to live a lie for the rest of my life? And and so for me, like I decided, like I can't live a lie. Um, I have a hard time telling a lie. Period. Uh, just because I could show on my face. Um, but but so so I decided to to come out at the very least to myself, which was that first step. Um, that didn't necessarily mean like I was screaming it from the mountaintops. So, like, hey, look, a gay here. Yeah, you're whispering um, it to yourself. <laughs> um, but, you know, my, my sister, I told my sisters probably a year or two later, uh, my mom found out a year or two after that, and, and it really broke her heart. Um, you know, for her, especially coming from such a conservative religious uh, mindset, uh, being taught that homosexuality is an abomination and a sin, um, you know, for her, it, it almost shattered her worldview. And so she took it very, very hard. It did damage um my relationship with my mom for for a number of years um though especially as we um, you know as I was taking care of her after she was diagnosed, we became very close and talked about all these issues and and I can say definitively that um you know no matter whether I'm gay or straight like you know she 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 loves me for who I am unequivocally um and, and i think especially for immigrant parents right um I think there's a lot of fear in, in their child being gay in that they know that it's going to be harder for them, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, a parent just wants to do what they can to protect and make sure that their kid is successful. And, and so I think part of the fear that they demonstrate is, is the fear for, for our own safety and well-being. Right. Right. One one thing I'll add is, you know, I, I came out mostly to just friends and and family um, in Georgia, and I had a great diverse group of friends in which, you know, they became my family as, as you know, gay folks will often do, you know, we find our family. When I ran in 2016, um, it was a very interesting experience because like, you know, running as an openly gay candidate, it doesn't mean I introduced myself as an openly gay man, but if someone asks, I don't deny. I say, yes, I'm openly gay. This is why, this is another reason why I'm running as a democrat especially after republicans passed you know anti-lgbtq legislation Uh, but my family in new york and california found out that i was gay through a newspaper after after it received national headlines that georgia elected first openly gay man um and so it was you know it was a, a bittersweet moment in that you know everyone was so ecstatic uh, the first day that I won and then after the second day after I received like all these headlines because I didn't think it'd be a big, big deal to be honest with you. Maybe that's a bit of my <laughs> night and day. the um, day. But yeah, it, it was an interesting experience. But, but that said, again, like, you know, I'm, I am who I am and I haven't really changed in, in that respect. And I think, you know, with family, like, you know, they're, they're cool with it because I'm just still
0: me. <laughs> sure of course and that's what uh, what it all comes down to is this kind of abolishment of that inherent fear of the unknown uh, or they're gonna be persecuted or oh god you know we, we don't even have our papers you know like it's like that that kind of inherent fear of being found out or being fucked with by mm-hmm. a, a group of people or even a government that is not here to protect you and the fact that you coming from an immigrant family a southern baptist family um and conservative koreans to break through all that and really just step into your truth publicly um that's such a cool um inspiring thing so i just want to say thank you for for doing that i know you have no other choice but to be yourself but hey there are a lot of us out there who who can't do it or who who are having trouble doing it so the fact that you, it was hard. For, it's not like you had like parents who were like, yeah, go to dance class. Like, let's support this, you know, artsy, weird, gay, <laughs> Korean kid. I know it was not that just right. from the way you talk about it. And it must've been so hard. And the fact that it was so hard for me, um, I, I know that it must've been doubly, triply as hard for you just being from where you were, you were from. So yeah. uh, kudos to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think for anybody who is struggling with coming out, right. I mean. I was terrified, and, and it's probably one of the hardest things that I had to do. But when all is said and done, you have one life to live. Um, how do you want to live it? Um, and I think we have to grapple with that question and, and deciding whether or not to come out. And, and I hope people will, again, live their best lives um, and, and live their truth and, and be who they are. Amazing.
0: One last question for you, Representative Sam Kim. Park. Sam Kark. Sorry, I'm thinking about myself. Uh, <laughs> My brother's name is Sam Kim, so I, can't, I, I was like, I, when I was, I typed your name in diff, wrong every single time. Sam Park, um, one last question for you. You win this election in 20, 2020. You, you'd serve another two years. Uh, and so that's three terms as a state rep.
1: What's in the future for you? So I'm, you know... So when I first got elected, I felt like I got catapulted 10,000 feet into the air, right? And, and, you know, part of how I got to where I am is because I felt like I was focusing on who I could help, what issue I wanted to address, and then and to essentially allow that to be my guide. So, like, my number one prerogative right now is to do as much good with the opportunity I've been given. Um, we'll see where that leads me. Um, one of the things that I feel very committed to accomplishing um, is is to to expand access to healthcare in the state of Georgia, because that's the original reason why I ran. Um, and if that requires changing the political foundation, then so be it, uh, which is the work that I'm currently engaged in. Um, if there are greater opportunities to run for higher office, um, you know, I, I'm open to it, of course. But I think when all is said and done, if I want to remain grounded and and authentic and sincere as to like myself and, and and to be a good leader when all is said and done um i think it, it it's more i need to figure out like in terms of that next step um again what i want to do in terms of who i want to help um mm-hmm. and then allow that to you know lead me to to wherever that said again i'm i'm open to whatever opportunities may come my way president <sighs> I don't know. that, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> Sam, uh, I, you know, whether you're POC or white or Democrat or Republican, the fact that we have someone like you who, uh, can't tell a lie because it's all over their face and, and someone who's leading with truth and, and integrity. Um, we need more leaders like you. So thank you so much for coming on the Ajumma show. Uh, the fact that you're also gay Korean makes it so cool that you're the only interview we've ever done. Yeah. And, and, and I hope more Koreans and, you know, other POC can watch this and listen to this and be inspired by you and your story. Uh, and really get out the, especially my my job, my personal mission for this year is to... Is to move the needle a little bit with the Asian American vote because that's the Mm -hmm. platform I have you obviously have a larger platform, uh, you know, dealing with your constituents from your house district. Uh, and, and the fact that we can do this together and spread the word and spread the importance of getting the, uh, the vote out this election. Um, the fact that I can do this with you is so cool. And this could only something that like my parents could have even dreamed of that two gay Koreans could sit here and talk about politics in America. I think we did it we're yeah. doing it. So thank cool. you so much. Appreciate you.
1: Yeah, no. Th- thank you so much for having me. I, I feel again, again, very uh, privileged and special to be your first interviewee. Um, and and you know, let's let's roll up our sleeves and and get the work done. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Representative Sam Park.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Hey,
0: 고맙습니다. Hey, <laughs> <Yay>, 감사합니다. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the, enter- the end of the interview. I'm just gonna press stop and um you can press stop on your phone if you like um and then you want to just i guess what's the best way to transfer files you think do you have like a um google drive
1: yeah i mean if if this won't um if this file is too large to send to you via email i can send it i'll add it to my google drive and and share that with you okay awesome thank you so much
0: all right. Well, it's Friday. What do you have going on for the rest of the day? Work.
1: You're working? <laughs> so Yeah. So, I mean, I am an attorney, and, and I'm, I'm an attorney for a nonprofit health center working to end the HIV-AIDS epidemic um, in the metro Atlanta area, and it's really bad here. Um, one, because we don't have access to health care, of course, but, like, two, the CDC estimated that 50% of all young black gay men um, are expected to contract HIV by the age of 30. Oh, my right? God. Uh, yeah. It, it's like a third world country. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's what I do in my, in my private, um, time, I guess. Um, because again, your
0: your job as a state rep, isn't a full-time
1: job. It isn't, it isn't right. Like I'm at the Capitol for like the first quarter of every year, first three months or so, but then the rest of the time, you know, you're just at home, um, you know, doing your other job, but you're constantly replying to constituents who reach out. And especially now, like, I mean, it's just a barrage of emails asking for help with unemployment, who are asking for housing assistance, who are, you know, on the verge of going homeless. And so it's just, it's, it's a tough time.
0: Damn. Well, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you. Uh, is there any last thing you'd like us to know about you before we go?
1: Let me just ask. Uh, but one thing I would say is just like keep up the good work that you're doing as well. Because like you know, keep in mind you're breaking barriers. Uh, you know, making demonstrating to other Koreans, and we're very you know we're we're creatives, right? You know, we you know that that you can be successful in any arena that you go into, and and just you know be fearless, follow your passion. I'm on all that that good stuff. So I love it.
0: Thank you so much. Keep up your good work too. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. All right. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye.